This is the Clutch Pick Sports Betting Podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and I'm joined as always by the scores lead betting analyst, Mr. Matt Russell. And I got to say, we're still riding the wave. The wave continues. 10 and 6 week, which somehow is the worst week we've had of the season so far. I don't know. A 32, 15 and 1 against the spread record. I'm going to say that again because it's not often I get to say something this outlandish. 32, 15 and 1 against the spread record to start the season. I hope you've been along for the ride because it's been a whole lot of fun. Mr. Matt Russell, how are you doing, my dude? I'm doing well, man. Uh, I'm not even sure I have anything to do with that record at this point. Um, you are so far above and beyond any expectation or any even sort of results that I'm even putting in so far this season. So, you know, I'm trying to gonna reach through the screen to try to, you know, get some of the good karma, the good vibes, the pixie dust, that sort of thing over here. Uh, you know, not that we're desperate for it necessarily, but like it's, uh, you know, we're, we're hitting October. So it's time to get out and run a little bit. You know what I mean? Like loosen up the hamstrings and uh, stretch stretch the pace here a little bit. Let's uh, let's get out and go here. I can't lie to you. A lot of a lot of my thought process here is like let's just keep padding a little bit, padding it up a little bit because it's I keep I call it the wave for a reason, right? Because waves go up, waves go down. Despite the the one of my favorite songs, "Waves Don't Die," they kind of do go up and down. Waves mm-hmm. is still a banger track. I will stand by that, despite whatever the dude I'm not going to name is up to these days, which is a story for another day. But the point is the wave, we try to keep that going to keep the good times rolling here. Cause as mentioned, I mean, yeah, I don't even know how to properly, you know, sum up the feeling, sum up the vibes here as you try to keep the train moving for the people that might be new here to what we do on this pod. We go through each and every game on the NFL sked. I come out, I give you a pick. I at least tell you where I'm leaning. And then my guy, Matt comes in with the information and education on where the line is, where it was, where it could be going heading into game time. And the key is that we want to try and come out on the other end with a more informed pick. I play the role of the viewer. I get to ask questions. I get to like bounce my ideas off of, and we try to win some money on the other end. And I got to say, through three weeks, it's been doing pretty well. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> I always say too, the disclaimer, lunch money picks, okay? Bet within your, 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 uh, what's the term I'm looking for here? Your means. Your means. Yes. Yes. Bankroll management, responsible betting. Yes. That's always the key here. Et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. So yes, 10 and six last week, 32, 15 and one overall this season. I think that's like 67%. That doesn't sound like a real number. Again, I got to listen. I'm enjoy it now. I'll say that. If you're wondering why I keep saying that, I'm enjoy it now because I have the understanding that there will be a regression. But until then, we will continue to ride the wave, starting with, as always, Thursday night football. We got the Lions at the Packers. This is a tough one for me. Thursday night games I always find tough. But both teams coming in off feel-good wins. Packers with a massive comeback. Lions doing their thing, just steamrolling. But I really like the Packers. Like, you put me onto this from the start of the season. Hopefully people listen to our preview episode. You got me on the Packers. And they've done nothing to, like, throw me off of that. And, in fact, the first two games uh, over the last couple weeks betting on the Packers, if you've listened to this pod, they've counted as losses because of where the line's been when we discussed the game. 
But come game time, the line has moved more in the favor of the Packers and they cover those bets. So if you listen to the pod and I'm like, hey, we really like the Packers, really like the Packers. Then you showed up on Sunday and you realize, oh, the line went from Packers minus two to Packers plus three. That counts as a win, <laughs> a win for you in the bankroll, but a loss for me here on the pod. So we're in interesting times, but that's why we talk about the importance of listening to the conversation that we're having about each team. And this Packers team continues to roll. Jordan Love, you convinced me on that as well. I didn't know much about Jordan Love, but this is why we had these conversations. My guy's filled in and has done a good job, and that team is behind him. They've been dealing with a lot of injuries. I need you to tell me an update on the injury report. And also, could they have been like cheating those guys and letting them sit out knowing this Thursday game, divisional game was coming up? We shall discuss. But yeah. either way, it's almost a pick them. Lions minus one, Packers at home. I'm going to ride that Packers wave and give me the Packers plus one in this one. Yeah. So it is important when we talk about those line moves to know why those line moves existed, right? Yes. Because it, both in these last, in those last two games, um, week two and week three, where those line moves be happened because we felt pretty good about the injury report early on in the week. And the line was based off the idea that the Packers were going to be a little, you know, we're going to be at full health or close to full health. And then by the time Sunday rolls around, it's like, oh, actually, none of those guys are playing, right? Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, right? If you told me, you know, before the season started that Christian Watson was going to miss the first three games, not sure I would have paid as much as I did for him in uh, fantasy football, <laughs> right? Like, that was a bit of a surprise that it's kind of lingered the way that it has. Mm -hmm. And I think your point is well taken. Uh, and I would agree with it right up to the point where you're like, you know, the game against the Saints, their first home game, like that is kind of an important game to win. So I don't know that they were necessarily holding those guys out for this game. But this is, as you mentioned, not your average Thursday night football game. This is a high leverage football game that both these teams should have had circled on their calendar for a long time. Right. This isn't some of the stuff that we've actually had the last few weeks where it's like, you know, Eagles, Vikings, I guess. That, I mean, who's that an important game to, right? Other than the Vikings just like desperately trying to get a victory. Same thing last week, right? Like that was a made up football game with the Giants and the 49ers. Yeah. This is some real stuff here. This is one that I've had circled from before the season, right? So I can imagine that the Packers probably feel the same way. Obviously, having come off of last season where they get knocked out by the Lions, like whenever this game is going to be scheduled, they're going to have this circled. So, you know, fundamentally, you know, obviously I'm going to agree with you. And I say that obviously because you, you know, you set it up with the fact that I've been talking about the Packers since before the season started, since actually March, when Aaron Rodgers got traded, there's an article over at the score from back in March and talking less about the Jets future, you know, sort of concepts with Aaron Rodgers being on that team and more about how the Packers were going to kind of move on from him. And so, I, you know, you watched the game the other day against the Saints and they, you know, obviously they don't score for the first, what, three quarters of the game. But there was a lot of really sort of creative plays that there was just something a little bit off to kind of a fumble. There was a throwback sort of to Jordan Love where it kind of got fumbled around. And he kind of had a panic throw, but like the, the player was wide open that he was intending to throw the ball to. He just kind of had to had to get rid of the ball a little bit too quickly. And a couple of other, you know, plays like that where it was like, man, they're really drawing some plays up that are getting guys wide open. And they just didn't necessarily connect on them. And then you look at Lafleur, and I don't know if we're going to get into you know sort of yeah, uh, analytic town here in a little Yo. bit. 
But like our guy Lafleur, whether people like it or not, has shown that he knows what the correct mathematical thing to do is, and so he does the thing where he goes for it uh, down fourteen. They score a touchdown. They go for the two point conversion, and guess what? That works. Now I don't see the parade happening for uh, him getting the the analytic decision correct and it working because mm-hmm. we only ever, you know, just absolutely slander the the coach who goes for the analytically correct play and it doesn't work. But this guy, he's got, he's he's calling the right plays. He's calling creative offense, even without the Aaron Joneses and the Christian Watsons of the world. And now you look at the injury reports, right? And there is a tweet uh, out that said that some of the players are kind of letting it slip that Aaron Jones and Christian Watson are going to be back, like accidentally, like Ooh. telling the media that they're going to be back. Um, they've started to say like they are very hopeful that these guys are going to be back. You know, I don't know how deep it's going to go as far as the Bakhtiaris and, and some of the other guys who are banged up. Obviously, Jair Alexander would be really nice to have. Um, but when it comes to an offensive standpoint here where you're going to have to match up with the Lions, who, again, like they got their own injury issues, right? There's a bunch of questionables right next to their offensive line uh, in the on the depth chart. So, um, you know, we focus a little bit more on the Packers, who, by the way, are two and one with all of these injury issues and, and, and having beaten the Saints. Again, the Saints... You know, you look at the score and it's 17-0. You're like, oh, geez, this is brutal. It's like, well, one of those is a punt return touchdown, Mm -hmm. right? Which, again, is not something that you can rely on both for and against, right? So, yeah, this isn't that complicated because I've been on the, you know, I'm on the Packers for the division. I'm on the Packers for them to make the playoffs. I'm on Matt LaFleur to win coach of the year. And that's, you know, this is why. Because this game is essentially a pick is a coin toss game that could go either way. Now, this is in Green Bay. And the Lions are plus are, are minus one here. So that sort of implies that if it were in Detroit, it would be minus four. And I'll tell you what, I'd be on the Packers plus four if that were the case. I think these two teams are equally matched. If once they get a, a clean bill of health here for the Packers, you know, based on sort of my rating system, you know, that we talk about all the time, like based on the closing lines from last week that have the Packers injured, a one and a half point spread, a one point spread, you know, I have a minus 1.2 for Detroit. That makes sense. The Green Bay Packers, the healthy version of the Green Bay Packers, I have much higher. I think this game, by the time these guys get uh, announced in, might flip the favorite. Now, that's not some huge thing, right? Like, if Green Bay is minus one, what does that really change, right? Hopefully, probably not all that much. But, you know, the point is here, if you can get a little plus money on the money line here, I think Green Bay is worth it. Because I don't know that they're going to be plus money on the money line by the time the the, uh, game kicks off on Thursday night. All right. So it sounds like we like the Packers here heading into Thursday night. And again, pay attention to the line movement and where that could be going, because that's a nice key way to pick up some value whenever you're listening to this as well. Um, we're going to keep things moving here with a game that's not too exciting, but we're we're talking about it this early because it'll be early, bright and early for us here in North America because it's in London. Falcons at the Jags, Jags laying three points. And I need you to help me out here because on paper, I understand, you know, the Jags are quote unquote, the home team here. And they've played in London consistently the last few years. I get all that. But in reality, what is the, the line favor here for the quote unquote home field advantage in this game being in London? That part, I don't really get, but even if we remove that, I'm looking at this and thinking, I, th- I think the Jags have played below their standards the last few weeks. You know, they haven't really played well the last few weeks. The Falcons, I don't think are good. So this could be one of those bounce back games for the Jags that desperately need it after not looking good at all the last couple of weeks. So I'm on the Jags. I'm going to lay the three points. 
But my question is still, I what is the London aspect of this? Which I hate these London games. I feel like I always wake up Sunday morning and whatever side I'm on, it's the right. wrong one. <laughs> right? yeah. It's just like, what is going on here? So yeah. what is the home field advantage worth in this London game? Well, I'd like to think that that's sort of just the betters mentality, right? Where you always remember the the bad beats, you always that's remember always that it. the negativity, always. right? Whereas if you win, you're just sort of like, yeah, okay, that's that's what's expected, right? When that's you know shouldn't be the case for something that's you know you're just talking about how sixty seven percent sounds like a crazy made up number when you look at it from a record standpoint, but you know a lot of people who are new to the new to betting think sixty seven percent should be a regular thing. Uh, but I digress. Uh, as far as the the London thing is concerned, yeah, I mean, are they getting a point here? Are the Jags getting a point here because they're quote unquote used to this um, this spot? I, I guess, and I, and I honestly don't know that I can necessarily argue against it because we do, you know, like you say, sometimes you just wake up and it just feels like a really weird game and something that if you're more familiar with it, there, that there should be some sort of advantage to it. Uh, that being said, like based on point spreads from the, the the past three weeks, now the Kansas City game in week two is a little messed up because right there was Travis Kelsey was back. How healthy is he going to be? And Chris Jones was back. So like the movement leading up to the game didn't really necessarily give you a hint about anything. But leading up into the game, the week one game against Indianapolis, and then leading up last week against Houston, money was coming in against the Jaguars in those games against, you know, against teams that like, why would you be that excited to bet the Colts in week one? Why would you be that excited to bet the Texans? Like at any point in life now, luckily, you know, I was on the Texans and we, that was the one out of the five uh, upset picks that we had on the round Robin underdog money line parlay last week. But what about the Jags? You know, what about them have, have they have warranted this boost, you know, again, up from kind of like one and a half to three. And again, if it's because this game is in London, you're not just moving it up a point and a half, you're moving it up a point and a half to a key number that, you know, a lot of these London games come down to a long field goal at the end, right? Like whether one team jumps out or the other team jumps out, right? It just always kind of seems like it comes back to somebody kicking something uh, as if it's sort of a premiership game. So uh, (laughs) I, I, I can't beat up the Falcons too, too much last week because you know, I was on the Lions. We talked about it. And it was Desmond Ritter's first road game this season and his first road game since, you know, three games back of last year. So, you know, he had four straight home games going back to last year and then played a road game in Detroit against, you know, in a pretty loud, boisterous environment against a pretty good team. So, you know, if you're selling Desmond Ritter, and listen, I don't think Desmond Ritter is particularly good either, but I just don't know that I'm making some drastic rating adjustment to the Falcons here, right? Like the Falcons mm-hmm. can go in, do the thing that they want to do, where they run the football a ton. They play pretty good defense. You know, again, the, the Jags offense has not really been clicking in any way, shape or form, right? You get down 17, nothing to the Texans, even before the fluke kickoff return touchdown situation last week. And again, only scoring nine points the previous week. And then, you know, honestly probably should have lost to the Colts in week one. It's just like, why am I asking the Jags to win by more than a field goal here? Is it just because of the familiarity with going to London? Like, I sorry, I just don't really buy into that. So um, it's not some massive, huge thing here that, like, you know, I think, you know, the world is missing out on the, the glory that is the Falcons. But at three points here, and in some cases, even money at plus three, you know, maybe this goes to three and a half, and I can get Falcons plus three and a half, at which point, like, 
all right, I'll dare the Jags to win by <laughs> by a decent size margin in the NFL. So yeah. yeah, give me the Falcons here plus the three, and again, hopefully maybe some three and a halfs pop up here leading up to the week. So here's here's the thing that I'll say: you almost have me here, you almost have me, but I'm gonna lay the three with the Jags and hope that bare minimum we can salvage a push here with the game-winning field goal. Jags win by three. I, I understand everything. I just, I need it from the Jags here. I feel like we're not in kitchen sink territory here, but you got to start showing me some positive signs here or else like we got to question a lot of things that are going on with that squad, with that team. Yeah. And if they were underdogs, like I get that where you're like, mm-hmm. okay, this is back against the wall time. Like yada, yada, yada. Like there's so much else going on with this trip to London where it's like, you don't have that focus level where you're like, all right, it's now or never type of thing. They're also in the AFC South, where like it's kind of never now or never. <laughs> <laughs> like they were, they were what four game, five games back of first place last year. Like yeah. unfortunately, that could kind of lead to you know some, you know, complacency a little bit, where you're like, yeah, we're one and two, but like, I don't know who's gonna beat us. I mean, yeah, the Texans literally just beat us, but like, I don't know. Are, are got they, some time. Like, yeah, they got sort of time to figure it out, and I just. If I was an underdog situation here, like, yeah, okay, I'd be like, all right, I'm into I'm into the Jags being competitive and maybe getting the win. But the thing that we're asking the Jags to do is just not something that, like, they're good at, which is to say cover as a favorite, which they kind of <laughs> don't – I don't think they've really ever done in the Trevor Lawrence era at this point. I think he's I think he's now 0-5 as a favorite, which is – against the spread, um, which is not good. I'm going to enjoy sleeping in a little more and just wake up in third quarter and be disappointed by whatever's going on on my TV screen. That's what I'll say my Sunday morning will be. Okay. (laughs) Let's switch it here to a big boy matchup, as I like to call them. The Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. Bills at home laying two and a half points. And, I mean, you got the Bills coming. They they appear to be back on track. 34-point win in Washington. It seems like nothing compared to Miami dropping a 70 piece extra (laughs) spicy on the Broncos 70. That is crazy at this point, like Miami's offense. I know I've been rolling with Miami's offense through and through, and I'm just going to continue to do that here. I know this line, there's been some movement already, but if I'm still getting two and a half points with the dolphins on the road, you're telling me the weather is going to be okay so far from what I'm seeing. I'm going to take the points in the Miami Dolphins offense just because as much as Buffalo's offense appears to be back on track, that Dolphins team, man, they can run, they can throw. Waddle didn't even play. How does arguably your – I mean, Waddle, Tyreek, they're both 1-1-A, whatever. Waddle doesn't even play it, and it's like, eh, doesn't matter. We could throw up 70. That's insane. Give me the Dolphins at the points. Speaking of waves, I'm riding the Dolphins wave until proven otherwise. Yeah, and I don't think you're going to be alone, man, because if this oh, one yeah. just kind of feels like we are getting waltzed right into something. Um, yep. Oh, definitely. And I'm, and I'm not a big, like, bet splits, you know, percentage guy, like, in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, it does look like it's relatively even. So, you know, it's not like the universe is just clamoring, I guess, to to bet on the Dolphins. Um, obviously, listen, you have to remember, right? I would say, like, the game starts 0-0. And whether they were facing the Broncos again this week or, or an actual good team in the Bills, you have to remember that this game starts here at zero, 0 It would be nicer if, you know, they didn't score 70 and win by 50s and we might get 
you know, there's some plus threes at minus 113 as of as of this taping right now. Obviously, that's okay. the play that you want to that you want to make that that extra three cents isn't uh, isn't going to break the bank to get to plus three. Uh, I just think about it this way, right, where it's like, well, how could the how could the Dolphins lose? Um, <laughs> it was a pretty close game the week before against the Patriots. Totally. Right. Yeah. And Hell it's yeah. like, you know, so like this isn't some just, you know, guaranteed type of deal. Right. Not so, you know, it's tough because obviously, you know, again, this is a lot like the Packers where this is kind of like where it's last Saturday was bangers only Saturday. As far as matchups were concerned, this weekend is kind of bangers only weekend in the NFL, where this is a lot like the lions and the Packers for me, where it's like, yeah, I'm a little bit down on the, on the bills. And I think there's value on the dolphins. Now that value has already come to fruition as they were plus 300 and change to win their, win the division. And now they're the favorite to win the AFC East, you know, obviously based on their play so far, isn't all that surprising. That being said, right. Like, and like I said, like we're getting like waltzed right into something here. If, if we just assume that the dolphins are going to win this outright. So it's the type of thing that I would really like, I would have really liked the dolphins if that game had been competitive last week and we didn't have this sort of fervor because I'm just sort of allergic to the idea of fur of just sort of rolling with the train that is just coming down the tracks. Like that mm -hmm. never sort of works out in the NFL. And the Bills are obviously the best opponent that the Dolphins will have faced. And honestly, like a lot of that sort of came from just the Broncos turning the ball over, over and over and over again and giving short fields and, and taking penalties to extend drives and just sloppy, sloppy, sloppy type stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I'm not going to talk you out of it. It's no, really I... more just like throwing up some flares and just yeah. kind of waving them around and be like, man, like this feels like an easy bet to make it also just mm -hmm. sort of feels like one where the bills are going to be up for it and certainly the, these are two evenly matched teams and the line is fair right so this idea that oh somebody just won who just had 70 points is an underdog like must bet <laughs> it's like no it's yeah. not really how it works especially when you change opponents here so the line is fair here you know i think the what the, my market number here is uh minus 2.3 yeah right so like two and a half and you're kind of liking the two and a half like that's mm -hmm. that's sort of really fair here um from a rating standpoint i you know obviously i like the dolphins a great deal sort of in general and so i would drop this to one and a half because again i like the dolphins a little bit more i don't like the bills as much in sort of a general way you know and that's where that's where i'm at too right because it's like I know I spent a lot of time talking about the Dolphins, but this is also still the Bills not throwing me off the scent because they smashed the Commanders, right? You, we, We'll talk about that Commanders game later, but yeah. I'm pretty sure you said last week that Commanders game, they're either going to win or they're going to get blown out, yeah. right? So like whatever the spread was, like we discussed that and that's what played out. So yeah. not really thrown off the scent of my questions about the Buffalo Bills mm -hmm. because they smashed the Commanders, right? So no, that's the other interesting similar, Again, two trains, right, at this point. Mm -hmm. One getting a little more sort of attention because of the 70 that's on the scoreboard, but two very similar games, which will, you know, when we talk about the Commanders game this week, we'll talk about that. Uh, why that was a little more a little more misleading than maybe we than we think. You you mentioned that it's bangers only this week in the NFL. We got another one here with the Ravens at the Browns. Another, I mean, I'll call this a big boy matchup as well. The Browns, especially their defense, has been showing out as of late. Uh, the Ravens lose. I'm, 
I don't want to talk about it too much. A very depressing loss for the Ravens in Survivor last week to the Colts as they found every possible way to throw that game away. Yeah, let's. I'm trying to look forward here. I'm trying to look forward here. I need an injury update from the Ravens who are so beaten up injury wise during that game, heading into it and then getting beaten up emotionally by blowing that game to the Colts and Gardner Minshew. I'm trying to get through it, trying to get through it. I'm trying to remove my emotions here, but do I want to take the Baltimore Ravens here? I'm leaning Baltimore Ravens plus the points here, right? The Browns defense is a problem. And I didn't really like what I saw from Lamar and company last week. But is that more injury-wise? Are they getting some bodies back? I would love to take Baltimore at plus three, which I can't really seem to get here. Right. <laughs> so I'm taking them at plus two and a half. But talk to me about the the Browns. Like, are they just have they figured some stuff out there? I well, I don't know, right? Because it's like you you flip on the game and Deshaun Watson's just hucking balls backwards, you know, <laughs> as he's getting tackled to his, you know, to his running be like. What did like you just threw it seven yards backwards, like on a bounce to a running back? Like, at what point was that the correct decision, right? That a, that a sort of functional quarterback should make. And then, like, as the game goes on, it's like, oh, well, just the Titans aren't going to score, Ooh. right? And it's like, you're going to win a lot of games when just the other team cannot score. And well, what have we seen so far this season, right? It's Bengals could not score in week one, and it's just like keep punting it to us eventually like just the odds are we're going to end up scoring ourselves here and be able to win this game and then the Steelers couldn't get the ball past the 30 yard line right they had one big play and then obviously they had the bookending defensive touchdown so as much as the Browns lost that game wasn't the Browns defense right it's like fair, okay yeah. how many more quarters would they have needed for the for the Steelers to actually score on offense in that game and then against right? Ryan Tannehill and company last week. It's just like, yeah, they're just not going to score. And so the thing here is like, are the Ravens going to score? And even if they get those guys back, right? Tyler Lindebaum and and Ronnie Stanley, Ronnie Stanley being the one where it's like, he's the most important one as the left tackle, but he's also the one that even if he came back, like I don't trust him to finish a game at this point, right? Like he's a little Mike Williamsy for the chargers or it's just like, it's all very cool when it's healthy and he's like making all kinds of plays, but it's just unfortunately a ticking time bomb. And it kind of sucks for massively sucks for both guys. So I just kind of look at this and I'm like, yeah, what from last week? And listen, if you want catharsis, uh, go to the score to read my survivor column from this week, right? It's very easy pick this week. We'll get to that in a second. But the point is, like, sometimes you you make a pick and it's just out of your hands, right? Because if you pick the Jags last week, you know, we talked about the Jags. That was a bad pick, right? You got blown out. You never had a chance. That was a bad cho- choice. You picked the Cowboys last week. Same sort of deal, right? Never really sort of felt like they were actually going to win the game, even though it was surprising that the Cardinals were winning through its entirety. But that Ravens game last week, there <laughs> are a million different ways, including accidental safeties, where my guy's pulling an Orlovsky. You mentioned Minshew as if like, oh, Minshew played, like he led them to victory. It's like, that guy didn't get to the red zone. Like they're kicking four 50-plus yard field goals, right? And it's like, so yes, the Ravens should have won. I don't regret the, you know, I don't regret the pick. It was the right call from a strategic standpoint in a contest where you have to pick 18 to 20 winners over the course of over the course of the season. But when you're watching it and you're just going, how many times do the Ravens, the thing that they can control is converting 
one first down when they're around midfield or yeah. like trying to stretch the deep, take one shot to some of their speed guys, right? You don't need Odell Beckham to be able to take a shot to Zay Flowers or Devin DuVernay or one of those guys, right? Now, yeah, the ball hits Isaiah Likely in the chest that would have converted <laughs> a first down that would have likely sealed the deal for the, for the Ravens because I think anything inside of 61 yards for a field goal for Tucker probably would have been a make, right? Unfortunately, yeah. 61 was just a little bit too far. And so all of that is fine, and, but it's like, are the Browns going to be that bad as the Colts were in that, like, are they going to never basically get inside the 40-yard line or the 30-yard line? Yeah. As much as I don't really think all that much of the miscreant, obviously, and Jerome Ford was disappointing as far as, like, not being able to step right into the shoes of Nick Chubb, I don't know that the Ravens are going to score in this game. Like, yeah. you know, and it's it's a type of deal where, like, that defense, like Lamar, there's only so much Lamar can do. And it sort of felt like, obviously, from a run game standpoint with the Ravens, it's like, this has got to be just Lamar running the football because the other guys just ain't doing it. Like Melvin Gordon's involved, and that's a, you know, dra a drag. And obviously, it's part of part of that is the offensive line not being able to hold up. And so, yeah, I just it's hard for me to say, like, yeah, let's let's take the Ravens on the road, having having seen what we saw with where their offense is right now right and the more we see out of the Bengals, it's like yeah same kind of deal if the Bengals can't score then the ravens are going to be able to hang in in that game in week two but like the browns they at least kind of have an idea of like what they want to do on offense even though mm -hmm. that might involve like keeping their quarterback out of the mix <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're going to just ground you down, right? And I don't and the Ravens certainly don't have the defense necessarily to like take advantage and and get your two touchdowns. You know, you might need that's a sad thing. You might need two defensive touchdowns to beat the Browns at this point this year and like outside of the Steelers, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. So Yeah, this yeah, is definitely This is definitely a tough one and I got to be honest and say that this whole division I just don't have a really good read right now because it's such a like Joe Burrow, we saw him hobbling around, so who knows what their value is, and we'll get to that game soon for sure. Mm -hmm. But also with the injuries to the Ravens, it's like I don't know what to make of that. You mentioned Nick Chubb. There's just a lot going on here, and I'm, I'm kind of going to one of my old-school things here where it's a divisional matchup, and again, I'd love to take the Ravens at plus three for obvious reasons, but sure. not being able to get that number, I'm still going to take the points in, in what could be a cold and sloppy, ugly game here between the Ravens and Browns. I don't really like it, but that's what we're on, my friend. Um, we're going to go with the Patriots and the Cowboys. Cowboys at home laying the seven points, and I don't want to overreact to the Cowboys losing big to Arizona. I don't, I'm trying not to overreact to that. But Dak looked really, really shaky. Whatever the game plan was that Arizona had for them on both sides of the ball, was correct. So you know who's probably watching that, trying to steal a little bit of something, something off of that? Yeah, man's Bill Belichick. Sprinkling a little of that where they didn't look great either against uh, Zach Wilson and the Jets last week, barely beating them. But still, seven points is a bit too much for my liking here. For that reason, I got to be on the New England Patriots. Give me the plus seven in Dallas. I do fear the bounce back. This might be what we described earlier, where it's like the Patriots either win this game or Dallas blows them out. Yeah, that's fair. And yeah, it feels like we're a little like one week late 
ish on fading the Cowboys because the, you know, again, when we talk about team ratings, right. And I, and I don't usually do this because I know that, listen, people get all uppity about like the idea of the look ahead line as if like, listen, most people, frankly, like listening to this and I would even include us in, in all of this. Like you probably shouldn't be betting more than a place will allow you to bet on the look alive, look ahead line anyway, right? And so I don't usually do this, but I tweet out last week that like Patriots plus seven and a half next week available at a certain sports book. Mm-hmm. And like, you should bet that. Now, if you're saying, okay, well, the limits are really low. It's like, okay, fine. But they're not like 20 bucks low or 50 yeah. bucks low for people, you know, who most people like that's honestly like what they should be, you know, they're the limit and around the limit that they should be betting. So it's like, that has value to the people who are following or the people who are listening. That being said, like now it's plus seven, we could see some plus six and a half here. So the sort of train has left the station when it comes to Patriots, you know, getting that the kind of value that we were sort of hoping for, seeing that maybe a victory over the Giants that was pretty wacky and a victory at home against Zach Wilson might be overinflating the Cowboys rating, which by, you know, you know, also happens to inflate all the point spreads because that's where the point spreads are coming from is their rating, right? So when we push the Cowboys rating up until where the 49ers of the world and the Chiefs of the world are, then that's going to create some value on the other team. Now, the problem last week for a lot of people was that required betting on the Cardinals. But listen, the Cardinals are not the worst team in the NFL. And I don't even think they're like in the worst three teams in the NFL, right? And that's the sort of thing that we have to suss out when it comes to like teams that we're willing to bet on. So if you were willing to bet on the Cardinals from the the jump, you're 3-0 and against the spread this year because they haven't been the worst team in the league. And they're getting a little bit better every week. We sort of talked about that when it comes to Josh Dobbs. So now they play. So now what what happened in that game, right? It's like, well, the Cowboys were able to run the football against the Cardinals, but they weren't able to stop the run at all. And they got into the red zone, and I think they were one for five in the red zone. And so you look at it, and you go, okay, well, can the Patriots do that? Can they can they stop the Cowboys in the red zone? And can they run the football against the Cowboys? And, like, I kind of think they can do both, right? Like, that's sort of, that was sort of their game plan against the Dolphins, right? Again, kind of, like, keep everything mm-hmm. in front. Like, let's play, let's play some red zone football and see what happens as far as, like, who's going to win win this game. And so I think you're going to get a lot of field goals in this game because I think the Cowboys are are going to have some success driving driving on, on the Patriots. But I think the Patriots are going to be good in the red zone. I think the Cowboys are going to be not so good in the red zone because I think you're going to get that sort of double coverage or sort of, you know, rolled coverage over to C.D. Lamb, et cetera. And so this might be that like 20 to 17 type of a game. And so when it's a 20 to 17, 20 you know, to 13 type of a game here, then yeah, the Patriots do look pretty attractive at a touchdown. And so, you know, already grabbed some, the seven and a half, adding some plus seven this week. And honestly, at, from a just a pure value standpoint with a plus 250 money line price tag, I'll take some of the Patriots there as well. Ooh. Because, you know, again, if the best thing that you've seen from the, the Cowboys, I mean, find me three better teams to start your season with than the Giants, Jets, and Cardinals at this point, right? Like that's the cushiest schedule imaginable. And they're only two and one. So like, what's the fear that I'm supposed to have with this, with the Cowboys, even though I'm high on them sort of long-term and obviously the pieces I think are there, obviously since we last spoke, the Trey Diggs injury happened, which mm-hmm. is not ideal in any way, shape or form. And they also had a banged up offensive line that I don't think necessarily is going to be completely healed and completely good to go this Sunday. And again, the difference being here, right? Like are we backing them in like a, 
you know, plus two and a half matchup against the Eagles or the 49ers, which like I might be interested in doing next week when the Cowboys play the 49ers, or are we backing them to like take a lead and stretch it out when they couldn't stop James Conner and Josh Dobbs from running all over them last week? Like, that to me is something of a concern. And you mentioned Bill Belichick and company over there, like, you know, Bill O'Brien, like they're going to look and see what the Cardinals did. Well, I imagine there's going to be a handoff play a la the Rondale Moore uh, play that went, you know, for a touchdown. I imagine the Patriots are going to deploy, you know, that type of, that type of motion into into the game plan so yeah i I think this is going to be a bit of a slugfest and i'm taking the plus seven with you yeah super excited to see how that plays out as well and if we're talking about coaching matchups bill belichick versus your man's mike mccarthy i think we know what side i'm gonna be rolling on most often than not um switching gears here to the Bengals, two and a half point favorites in tennessee uh, is it just me or am I seeing a lot more two and a half point spreads and threes? Like, is that a new trend this season or something? Like what's I, going on here? I think what that is, is the the sort of realization or the acceptance of the idea that home field advantage ain't what it used to be. Ah. And, and so like, you'd even hear last year, people talking about like, and three points for home field. And like you and I, for the last like three, four years have been like, Yo, it's not, no one's giving three points for home field advantage. Like at best, like, and we're talking about the craziest environments or the sort of, you know, the the heat in Miami, the elevation in Denver in the early on the season, like those types of things. Like at best, it's two and a half. The average home field advantage right now is like 1.75, right? So like that's the starting point for home field advantage. And so when that's the starting point for home field advantage, instead of two and a half or three, then you have a harder time getting to three with even evenly matched, evenly rated teams. Mm-hmm. And in the NFL, the further we go here, eventually we're going to have every team be, you know, nine and eight or eight and nine, because all these teams are, I shouldn't say all these teams, because there's obviously teams at the top teams at the bottom, but that big middle is only mm-hmm. getting bit that the middle right now might have 24 teams, <laughs> right? So there might true. be four good teams. There might be four terrible teams and the middle, especially with the Bengals now being something of a, you know yeah which which is what i want to get to here right because it's like we talked about it again another important lesson here listening to the pod listening to that conversation we talked about that Bengals line on monday night being at two and a half and the chances of joe burrow sitting out with them staring down an zero and three start to the season in that division he was probably going to try to gut that one out and he did Mm -hmm. and they won cool but how do we take that moving forward? They didn't look that good, right, on offense. I know that Chase, who fantasy owners like myself, very happy to see. But they didn't look that good overall as an offense. And I feel like, as we just talked about Bill Belichick sitting back and watching, his boy Mike Rabel was going to sit around and watch what happened as well and not let a Joe a hobbled Joe Burrow sort of just sit back and pick them apart. You kind of figure out what they can and cannot do offensively as long as he's still hobbled. I'm trusting in that. The thing that has me worried here, yeah. the thing that has me worried here, I'm going with the home dogs. Give me the Titans and the points, going with the home dogs and Vrabel and all that fun stuff. The thing that has me worried, though, Ryan Tannehill <laughs> and, this, and this offense. As soon as I'm ready to be like, okay, they look all right. He still looks serviceable, cool. They do the exact opposite of that. So that has me nervous here. So I, I want to take the points with Tennessee at home and a hop against a hobble Joe Burrow. Give me the points for sure. Plus two and a half. But talk to me here about what's going on with, with the offense and Tannehill and can Vrabel do anything with that? 
Yeah, well, it's funny, right? So you go, okay, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? And like, like backup has to be better. And you're like, who's the backup? And you're like Jake Browning. You're like, oh, okay, probably not. And <laughs> and and if you're the Bengals, you're sitting there going like, okay, if we play Jake Browning, he's going to want to, you know, we're going to have to run the ball. We're going to have to sort of, you know, get everybody involved. We're going to have to run plays. If we play Joe Burrow, we can say, hey, Joe, can you just throw the ball to Jamar Chase over and over and over again. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like he like he has a better chance of getting Jamar Chase like moved around to places where for 60 minutes they can confuse the Rams just enough to throw the ball to Chase and it's like if there was an MVP of the game, it's Jamar Chase for him just being like, "All right, I'm almost like it's almost like you're treating Jamar Chase like a running back." Where it's like you're getting 20 carries today, my man. Like yeah. we're throwing them to you, those carries, but like you are getting, you're going to be getting beat up here, and like the Rams aren't going to be ready for it because Joe Burrow's at least still out there, and we have to respect the idea of like T. Higgins being a thing, and like anybody else sort of being a thing. When in reality, like it's kind of just Jamar Chase is the only guy who's going to be sort of a legitimate problem here, right? When you'll mix, you'll mix in some mix on, but you're going to have, you know, a lot of Jamar Chase. So you're right, right? Like on a short week now, one, obviously, like, I don't know that the calf is getting any better on a short week with travel to Tennessee Two, as you mentioned, right? Vrabel sitting there going like, okay, like, that's a cool game plan to run one time to sort of surprise the other team when they weren't necessarily sure you were going to play. And by the way, the Rams obviously had spent, you know, this preparing for the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, like prepping for that version of Joe Burrow. Right. Mm -hmm. And so now the tape, now there's tape. And so now Vrabel looks at that tape and he goes, okay, we got to come up with something so that Jamar Chase doesn't catch 15 balls on us this <laughs> yeah. Sunday. Right. And yeah, you mentioned like the offense uh, on the, of the Titans and like, listen, that's grotesque, but like, you're right. Like one week it's interceptions left and right against the saints. The next week it's like peak levels of efficiency against the chargers. Admittedly, the chargers are, are garbage defensively. <laughs> and then the next it's like, Oh yeah, you're just on the road against probably the best defense in the league who we literally just talked about how like the Browns might not just ever give up a touchdown in, in certainly in the first half. And so I'm with you where it's like, yeah, like until I, until Joe Burrow gets himself a bye week here, which I think they have an early bye week, a relatively early bye week scenario here. Um, or the Browns or the, excuse me, the Bengals show me sort of anything that they can do, you know, as far as, and I don't really trust them to just purely run the football, especially against a Titans team. That's pretty good against the run. I just think like, all right, you've shown your kind of your your move, like you've played your trump card, if you will, as far as this whole like just play, give it to Jamar and, and get out of the way type situation. And that's problematic against a team that like, again, we're always getting points with the Titans and trying to figure out when the right time to take those <laughs> points are is like kind of the fun like Titans game. And it's like Saints, yes. Uh, Chargers, yes. Browns, no. This one, I think we're back to yes again with the Titans here. And I think, yeah, I think they have a real chance to win this game outright because, you know, that's a – the Bengals had to put everything they could to avoid going 0-3. And, and, yeah, 1-3 is no party. But, like, you know, at least they sort of managed to do that. And I think that, you know, there's just going to be a lot to have them turn around and play this game, especially given the circumstances on offense. Yeah, definitely. And it also goes back to one of our themes that we haven't – I mean, it's only week – 
four, but like the ping pong aspect, right. And being able to be on a team one week, be off of them the next week and kind of figure out that sort of pattern slash ping pong. So that part enjoying the ride as well. Another pretty interesting game here. we got the Steelers as three-point favorites in Houston against the Texans. Texans looked great last week. You were all over that. We were, I was quite happy to cash those tickets for sure against the Jags. And here's the thing. Now they're home underdogs against the Steelers. Steelers defense continues to be a problem. Of course, you worry about a young QB meeting TJ Watt for the first time, for sure. Definitely. But I like how spicy this is another one. Just like just like you put me on Jordan Love early. You also put me on CJ Stroud. Seeing that there could something be there with him as well, leading that offense. Offense looks a little spicy. I like that. And you know I love my guy D'Amico Ryans from the Niners pedigree in charge of that whole team. And most importantly, obviously he's going to have an eye on that defense. Steelers offense still hasn't shown me much. You know what I mean? They looked a little bit better. For sure. We still don't fear that. So it's three point dogs. I like that. This seems like a just classic, like home dogs. I want to be on it. I'm going to be on it. Give me Houston plus the points. And I hope that you will agree with me when I'm looking at your face right now. And it doesn't seem like that's the case. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. It's not. Uh, Like I get it from a point. So here's what happened, right? So. Mm Normally, you know, we have these ratings, right? And I actually should just quickly mention getting back to the Bengals really quickly. Like the point spread that has them favored by two and a half points. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's put it this way. The point spread that had them as only three point or two and a half point to three point favorites against the Rams at home. The Rams are a below average team. They've always been rated as below average team. You throw in a, a point and a half, maybe two for home field advantage on a Monday night. That tells me that the Bengals were allegedly just a barely, maybe even not quite average football team Uh, a road spread of two and a half for the Bengals means that now all of a sudden we have shot the Bengals right back up to 60 65 that kind of range where the Bengals have basically lived for the last year and a half Mm -hmm. so I say that as it pertains to this game with regards to the ratings is that last week we had a similar situation on Sunday night football but it wasn't as sort of dramatic or obvious because it wasn't like an injury issue right the, the Steelers opened minus one in that game against the Raiders and they closed plus three. The Raiders took enough money over, over the course of the week, alleged professional money over the course of the week, <laughs> to move the Raiders to minus three in that game. Now, somebody sort of defending that move could say if Marcus Peters could catch an interception, uh, then maybe that game's a lot different because the Raiders take a lead instead of the Steelers taking a lead because that game was 7-7 for a mm-hmm. while. And it was kind of like, all right, is somebody going to kind of you know, do anything, do anything to pull away here. Right. And it's like the Steelers just happen to, you know, they obviously connect on the long pass, et cetera, et cetera. So the point is, is that when we look at these teams, like, like people, we have to believe what they're telling us. Right. And so that, you know, and you mentioned the Jaguars, right. And it's like, Oh, I'm like waiting for the Jaguars to like do something. It's like, yeah. Or these teams, like the more we get the (laughs) September information going into October, the more we know. Right. And so guess what? Steelers getting blown out by the 49ers really doesn't look bad at all. Right. The Steelers having a tough time scoring against the Browns really doesn't look that bad at all and then they go sort of down in weight class 
and they face the Raiders and they're able to move the football all of a sudden, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Steelers offense is never going to be like mega electric. They've hit a couple of big pass plays in the last couple of weeks, right? Like Najee Harris looked like he sort of had a pulse against the Raiders, <laughs> right? But the defense is always going to be good. Yeah, And so when I look at the Texans, it's like, yeah, man, like I love getting in on the Texans when they're plus seven and a half against a team that hasn't shown me anything all season like the Jags. And like there'll be other spots to back the Texans. And honestly, because of that line move from the Steelers Raiders game. Mm -hmm. Sort of follow me here. Right. So that 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 Steelers Raiders game move that line moves the way that I mentioned. Why was it because the Raiders were getting like. A, a bump after getting blown out in week two against the bills no that, that that's an anti-steelers move which is an incredibly rare thing for a team that won on monday night but like we all saw it we all the were like that Man. Won, yeah yeah we were su- oh, super lucky their offense is terrible they're short week they're now going on the road like the rate this is a great spot for the raiders and people pile in on the raiders and so when i look at that and i go okay like i have to base the market rating on that closing line point spread like that's the point that's the purpose of the market rating and so that's why this number is as low as it is is because the market rating can only be adjusted so much to get back to where sort of the Steelers should be and so my point is is like yeah the market rating kind of seems like this should be actually under a field goal but that's because the Raiders took all that money last week and we know that money was kind of stupid right (laughs) that was a mistake right oh yeah jimmy garoppolo is their quarterback right and listen i'm gonna get to that guy too (laughs) um because there that that was a really interesting game for a different reason and so the point is is like okay i can't go with the market rating off of the steelers i can only go with my rating that if i had just sort of stamped stuck to never moved even as they got blown out by san francisco and looked kind of crappy against the browns like what would that number look like and that number looks a lot higher and that's the thing, right? And it's like, okay, well, am I going to get excited because Houston went and beat the Jags? Not really, man. Like, I think the defense, and again, and a lot of it is injury stuff, right? Obviously, the, you know, their high-profile cornerback, you know, out. You know, I thought Laramie Tunsil was going to play in this in the game last week, and all of a sudden he's not even traveling with the team. Like, what's that about? Obviously, a lot of this stuff has to get sussed out with regards to injury reports over Thursday and Friday. And maybe they get a healthier injury report, and this comes off three and goes to two and a half. But honestly, like in Houston, like, is, is that a home field advantage? Everywhere no. it goes, right? You saw in like the Vegas game, right? They were getting cheered just as loudly as the Raiders were. I, you know, I just, I think the okay. Steelers are actually still pretty good. And and getting this thing down at like a field goal is going to be something that like feels like it's tempting for a Texans team that's slowly getting better. But like the Steelers might be actually pretty good and this might be out of their weight class. Whereas like the Jags, I didn't think was. I'm, I'm with you here. Pick is switched. We have our first pick swap here of the episode. Steelers minus three. And you know what? I've enjoyed betting on the Steelers this season so far. And it's because you're trusting in defense. No matter what, you know, defense travels, any weather, any seed, any place, any, you know, doesn't Against matter. A rookie quarterback. Yeah. And that's going to be a big thing. Don't get me wrong. Has looked, yeah, has looked great, but also you have the the fact of, you know, the Texans getting their win last week. That was a big thing. That's a big interdivisional game win, you know, kind of like the Super Bowl for them, you know, mini Super Bowl version. Yeah, cool. Now back to reality. Okay, cool. Pick is switched. We're on the Steelers. I like it. 
Let's go. This is why we do the pod. We talk things through. We come out more informed. And hopefully we're on the right side. Uh, Rams at Colts. Colts at home, favored by one. I don't know what to make of the Colts. I mean, I don't know. We need an update. Anthony Richardson, there's signs he might be back in, in the like lineup. Yep. Looks like he should be back. Uh, no Gardner Minshew. That's a good thing <laughs> for the Colts. I'm going to be on the Rams here, and I don't really know. I mean, the the reality of whether it's Minshew or Anthony Richardson will like drastically have a huge impact because I feel like that's two completely different offenses, of course. Yeah. Um, but I, I like the sneaky value of the Rams here because I feel like the Rams were a team that we were talking about as being one of the worst teams in the league, and they've kind of just been okay so far, you know? Like, they've been all right. Uh, getting the plus one point, whatever, that's basically a pick em, cool. But I, I, I like how the Rams have been looking. I would have liked them more against Gardner Minshew than against Anthony Richardson. So if you're telling me you feel better about that offense, I could be talked into switching this pick for sure. But as of now, give me the Rams in basically a pick game against the Colts that I don't really think are that good. And last week you got four 50 plus field goals yeah. to win a game. Like that's just insane. Um, mind you, I did have their kicker in fantasy. So cool, but yeah, sweet. I don't know, man. Can you, can you have that happen two weeks in a row? I don't know. Yeah, and a kicker I was on his third team in five years, by the way. Um, not exactly a legend in the making, uh, but for one week he was. Uh, I'm with you, man. Uh, uh, like uh, You can do the whole look headline thing. The Rams have always kind of been favored in this from like a rating standpoint. Now they're not, and that mm-hmm. has a lot to do, obviously, with the fact that the Colts won last week. But again, that was kind of, let's just say the F word here, fluke, right? <laughs> that, was, that was kind of a fluke last week, like, more than just kind of. And yeah, like a little bit tougher Rams short week. Uh, I have not confirmed this, but I imagine they're probably staying out in the Midwest versus flying all the way back from Cincinnati to LA back to Indianapolis. That's something I probably should have checked on before uh, we hopped on here. Um, but honestly, it comes down to Matthew Stafford being pressured on, you know, from, from, you know, via the, obviously the opposing D line and you had Hubbard and Hendrickson and those guys were a problem on that Monday night game. Right. And that, and that, and the pass rush is always going to be good for the home team in those Monday night kind of again, desperate crowd, loud type situations. Right. Mm-hmm. Colts don't, really do that right like they were just kind of rock solid and again i'm not i don't want to even cite anything that necessarily happened in the baltimore game at least from like an in the trenches on field matchup to sort of honestly either way say that the colts are good or bad right i'll go back to like the jags right like that game i don't know that the colts defense was like absolutely abominable and the colts got that early lead against the texans and and kind of never looked back in that game either so you know this idea like wait a second the Colts are two and one like uh, all right I guess they need to be favored against a Rams team that again I don't really think is all that bad because going to Cincinnati a Super Bowl contender and playing the 49ers relatively close in both cases like both games are like you know pretty close right up until the end until what the fourth quarter when both teams kind of got up two scores I don't really hate both of those losses, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think Matthew Stafford will be able to sort of sit back and, and, and do a lot more and, ha- and be a lot more comfortable offensively in this game. And so I'm with you. You know, I think the, you know, I mean, the wrong team might be favored by percentage points here. But if the implication here is that the Rams are kind of like 54% chance to win, and I think the uh, 
the Colts are 54% chance to win. I think the Rams are a 54% chance to win. That gives me sort of an 8% swing in value, if you will. So when you're talking about quote-unquote value, yeah, I think the Rams are more likely to win a game that they are not lined to more likely win. So give me the Rams. I like it. I like it. We'll keep it moving here as we move on to the Bucks and the Saints. Uh, Saints home favorites at laying three points. Jameis, I'm assuming, will be in this matchup. Mm -hmm. Alvin Kamara should be back in this game as well, I think. I hope. No? Maybe? Yeah, yeah. We'll Macar check uh, in Kamara's on that. Back. Um, back. So Jameis, we know Jameis will be in as Carr went down, which, I mean, Carr wasn't looking. Derek Carr. I'll leave that rant for another day. But Jameis is in the lineup, but you got a full week of him getting reps. You got some reps to get the Taysom Hill package back up and running as well. Um, these matchups are always great between the Saints and Bucks. No matter what, even in the Tom Brady days and the non-Drew Brees days, Saints still played the Bucks really tough, always. Saints are better at home. You're telling me you're getting a boost back with Kamara. And I get three points. I know I'm laying three points, but... I have that push protection if it's just a field goal game. I like that Saints D against Baker, who was a little more Baker-like in the last time we saw him. Yeah. I, I don't want to fully blame Baker because I know he's not terrible. Either way, I'm on yeah. the Saints minus three. I'll, I'll let you talk about Baker because he. I can't blame that game on him. I'll say that. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Baker. I want to talk about Mike Evans. <laughs> Thinking out loud. And then he goes and he makes like the world's most insane catch. And it's like, Mike Evans, that's why yeah. he's a pro bowl receiver. And it's like, yeah, but how about the two third down drops and the touchdown drop that like, let's change you know, the game. You, well, completely change the game. That's yeah. It. And it's like, you go to the box score and you'd be like, well, the Eagles had 400 plus yards and like the bucks didn't get to 200. And so it's like really hard to make a case that like that, that the bucks like could have, should have, or maybe whatever won or covered or however you sort of want to sort of frame it. But like, yeah, man, there's like a broken play that Hurts found, you know, uh, Olamide Zacchaeus on that, <laughs> that kind of like obviously gave them sort of a step ahead. And then you got Rashad White trying to like do my guy's doing way too much out there, probably because he's watching Mike Evans drop the ball every literally once per quarter. Mike Evans just has a catastrophic drop of the ball. Now, the yeah. problem is Mike Evans is going to continue to exist in this game. He is going to get locked up by Marcus Lattimore, which happens every single time. That being said, oh, can't we all just see Sheldon coming back next week and being like, I can't believe I laid points with Jameis Winston? <laughs> <laughs> Gang, can't we all just see this happening next week for our poor guy, Shower? He's like, I can't believe I did it. Oh, my God. Right, like you mentioned, you kept saying talking about Jameis Winston without like any level of fear in your voice, and I just, I, I don't, I just don't know how that's. Do you know why? Possible. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jameis versus uh, Derek Carr, like Derek Carr was supposed to be a massive upgrade versus Jameis, and he's just not. Do you know what I mean? Like he might. Well, be we're gonna upgrade. find out. Like they had zero <laughs> points after Derek Carr left the game against the Packers. Jameis got a week, man. He's got a week to you know He's get back into the. Of... Here's here's honestly, this is this is my indictment, and this is a Mike Evans take. This is a this is a Jake Browning take that I tweeted out the other day. Nobody knows their players better than the team does, right? Correct. Jameis Winston didn't just show up to New Orleans. He has, I, to the best of my knowledge, he has been on the roster for this is his third year now. <laughs> and like you said, yeah, 
the Saints, who have seen Jameis every single day for the last three years, obviously yeah. outside of summers and whatnot, like they're familiar with his work. They were still like, no, we got to go get Derek Carr, man. <laughs> like, we got to go get Derek Carr. Like, Derek Carr has to happen for us. Like, yeah. yes. Right? A team that, like, the Raiders were like, no, we're good on Derek Carr. Right? Like, the Raiders are like, no, we're good on Derek Carr. The Saints were like, no, we are good on Jameis in favor of Derek Carr. Like, where does this all, like, it, like is Jake okay, Brown yeah. going to end up starting for the Saints? Like, how, like, where does this all kind of, like, fall here? So okay. I just go like land points. So, so I, I have the bucks plus three and a half. So like, I can't say that this is the same thing as three, like yeah, yeah, the yeah. same deal in that. Like I have field goal protection, but like James Winston's going to be a boost to the offense that again, like couldn't really score against the Titans all that well. Mm-hmm. Couldn't really score at like Couldn't score at all. I mean, really, honestly, they couldn't score against the Packers. They had 10 sort of offensive points. Right. Cause I mentioned the punt return. Yeah. And, and, you know, played like, you know, really honestly, a pretty choppy, sloppy game against the Panthers, you know, in that in week two. And I just go, OK, like how many points are the Saints going to score here? Because, yeah, like obviously you're, you're worried about Baker and the and, and the Buccaneers offense. But like this kind of feels like one of those games that's like, yeah, we're back into the 17-16 type scene. Right. Because I don't know that either team can score 20 points against the opposing team. The one thing that like scares me is I'm watching that game against the Bucks, going like, we were always going to be kind of back in the bucks here because we we're going to have them rated higher than the market as long as the, the the defense was healthy. And like the more you watch the game, the less you see a Vita Vea out there. You see, it's like, oh, did you know it's Levante David's like 13th year? It's like, oh my God, 15 <laughs> years for a linebacker. Like yeah. that is not in any way, shape, or form how you build a defense. Like you would not want a 13-year linebacker i don't care who it is right Right. you want you want your linebackers to honestly linebackers are like running backs where it's like i want them for four years as a rookie like run your bleep off and just tackle a bunch for four years and then like you're done Mm -hmm. not year 13 where like my guy devin white picks a pass off and can't like he ran right out of bounds yeah he can't be bothered to like like, even attempt to like I mean, is he looking at Jalen Hurts and was like, I don't want any of that smoke. Like, how sad is that, yeah. right? And so no, I just for sure. like, yeah, even Shaq Barrett, you're like, Shaq Barrett's been in the league for how long? And it's, you're just going, like, man, like, it, the, it, the time is ticking with regards to, like, the, the Bucks defense here. So, I mean, I know this is just sort of thrilling analysis as far as, like, stomping on the table for no bet here. But, like, yeah, <laughs> the Bucks, because honestly, I don't know that the Saints should be favored by three against anybody with a pulse. And I think, yeah. like, maybe the pulse is, like, faint at this point, but I think it still exists for the Bucks. I'm going to be honest. The only reason I'm I'm really on the Saints here laying the points is because I feel like I'm I'm tongue in cheek with with talking about Jameis for sure. But like the reality is a week of Jameis, yo, just hand off the ball, dump it to Kamara. We'll have Taysom Hill in the red zone and bring out all our Taysom Hill plays and all that fun stuff and figure some stuff out there and squeak out a win by a field goal. That's where we're riding here. It's not anything like oh, Jameis air attack, revenge game against the Bucks. That's right. not where I'm going here. But I'll stay on the Saints, laying the three points, and not really too confident in it, I'll be honest. Uh, we'll go to the Commanders, who are at the Eagles. Eagles favored by eight. And this is a lot of points, I know. And again, much like the Buffalo Bills, I'm kind of, how do I phrase this? I'm kind of waiting for them to like fit into 
who they're supposed to be or who I'm told they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm I'm kind of still hedging and waiting on that. The Eagles eight points seems like a lot to me against the commanders team that I'm not overreacting to them getting blown out last week. Commanders played the Eagles tough last year. If I'm not mistaken, didn't they beat the they Eagles won last year? Game last year, yes, in Philadelphia. So we will discuss that for sure. But yeah, that's just where I'm at. Too many points. Give me plus eight for sure in a divisional matchup where these teams always play each other tough. And I'm just not too thrown off by what happened either bad for the commanders or good for the Eagles last week. It's a new week. Focus yep. in on this. Give me mm-hmm. the eight points. Yeah, so I agree with you. I'm on the commanders as well here. I think they have a chance to win the game outright. It's the same kind of deal. It's what happened in that game. You know, first of all, we just talked about obviously the Tampa and Philadelphia game, right? And the idea that like, yes, Philadelphia ended up sort of box score dominating Tampa. But like, it always just kind of felt like Tampa was allowing the Eagles to get to third and push. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you allow the Eagles to get to third and push, they do the push play. No one can stop it. And you're like, oh, God, I guess we're doing you know another play. Right. And so you end up with 75 offensive plays. Yeah. The commanders were kind of like doing their bet. We're the best team to kind of stop that last year against the Eagles. And their first game that they played was early in the season. I think it was week one, if not week two. And it was like we hadn't seen the Eagles like bomb it down the field offense just yet. And we hadn't seen the, uh, you know, the tush push thing that, you know, obviously we have seen a lot of since then. Whereas the commanders now, they have the defensive line and they're like, okay, like we know that stuff is coming. We just have to, you know, obviously they're prepared for it. They have the talent, the Deron Paynes of the world in the midi- in the middle of the line. And so I'm like, okay, like, okay, if you don't have the tush push thing and like, again, I'm miss- something's missing with the play calling with regards to Jalen Hurts. You know, we hit the under on him on his rushing yards because t- he's not getting loose when it comes to running the football. Mm-hmm. And I just look at it and I go like, I think the commanders can hang in this game. And they obviously got blown out last week because they turned the ball over five times against the Bills. The Eagles haven't necessarily just been turning teams over you know, in a way that I'm going to expect the commanders to get, you know, turn the ball over five times. I think you're going to get a bounce back game from Sam Howell, a little bit better um, ball security, if you will, from the team in general. And yeah, I think this game ends up being pretty close and I think the commanders have a chance to win. Sorry, I just had a moment where I forgot that I was in front of a camera and it just <laughs> popped up on my screen that Dame Lillard got traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. So if you're watching this okay. video and you see I my almost stopped reaction. halfway through. I almost stopped halfway <laughs> through and we're like, did somebody, I was like, I thought it was I'm an NFL game. I was like, did somebody die? Like, I apologize. Are you going to tell me like Jalen Hurts is out for the year and I'm going to do the spiel and you're going to be like, oh, by the way, Jalen <laughs> broke his foot today and whatever. And and I should have known it was an NBA thing. And I should have Yo, known I'm it was Dame Lillard. And obviously it's not the Raptors. So you would have, you know, probably been like waving your shirt over your head. No, uh, so. I knew he wasn't going to the Raptors. I was not fooled by that for one second. But I apologize because I realized in the moment, I just started getting all these text messages just saying, Dame, Dame, Dame. But it didn't say Raptors. So I knew it wasn't that. So I was yeah. like, oh, okay, cool. He finally went to Miami. And then someone go. said, Milwaukee. I'm like, wait, what? Sorry, if you're listening to the podcast, you now have reason to go watch the podcast <laughs> and, uh, on YouTube in the, what, 104-minute mark? Something along those lines. So. I'm apologizing to you, though, because... <laughs> that I, I was like, did something just happen? <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I apologize. <sighs> I apologize. But, you know, 
live live podding live podding that's what happens here or live to yeah. tape podding i guess people that's what can it's now timestamp the time that we actually do this podcast so <laughs> right. now you know when we say when, as of wednesday afternoon we're not lying we're not past posting things from on thursday morning well, no we saved the we saved the the cheating of when people record stuff to the tiktokers making pics nice. um nice. story for another day don't mean to slander them too much, but maybe I do. Um, Raiders at the Chargers. Chargers laying five and a half points here. At home. I don't know where that came from all of a sudden, but I guess yeah, Dame, I like like. Dame, Oakland's own. Oakland used to be the Raiders. I guess that's where we're going here. Segway, nice. segway. On my toes. Uh, Raiders at the Chargers. Chargers laying five and a half points and the Raiders against the Steelers. We talked about it. Jimmy G going to Jimmy G, but he's, as we move it forward to this week, he's in concussion protocol. Is that still a thing? Yeah. Protocol. Um, the Chargers won the most Chargers game possible. And I know we've said that about 20 times in the history of us doing this pod, but this actually might've been the most Chargers game. I've ever seen that they won against the Minnesota Vikings. Now they're laying five and a half points in a divisional game. I can't believe I'm laying the points. I'm going to need you to talk me out of laying the points because my yeah. thought here is just that the Raiders are that bad. And like if Jimmy Garoppolo, whatever's behind Jimmy Garoppolo can't be much better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but this Vegas zone always has me scared. So if I'm picking a side here, I can't believe I'm saying this. But I'm laying the points with the Chargers. Please talk me out of this. Um, I'd love to know who the quarterback is going to be before I decide whether I'm talking you in, out, up, or down <laughs> on any of this, right? But like, we just we don't know. I'll put it this way: you know, we talked about this last week, right? Like, once you go concussion protocol, like it becomes really difficult for you to play the next week. Yeah. And if that's the case, then the Raiders have to play someone else. And if that someone else is Brian Hoyer, um, mm. I'm out. You know, as you like to say, and for that reason, I'm out. And I don't mean I'm even out like I like have to bet the Chargers because like yeah. Chargers laying points, like hard pass. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, if it comes down that Aiden O'Connell is involved in this game and we can get like a plus six. Okay. I'm here for some Aiden O'Connell plus six. Aiden O'Connell can ball. Mm. Uh, Purdue quarterback, rookie um, played in the Big Ten championship game against Michigan last year. Like he has been in games where the talent was on the other side and he's been able to sort of, you know, uh, be sufficient. And Devontae Adams is is an animal out there. And I don't know that the Chargers can do anything to sort of stop him. So, yeah, never, ever, ever, ever lay the Chargers. And that's just like <laughs> a general rule, let alone this game. Um but like, um, yeah, like, what am I going to tell you? Like, yo, man, no, you're going to want the Raiders here because like yeah, Brian Hoyer in yeah. the mix, right? Like, I'm not going to like do that. What I will say is, and I'll go on a complete tangent here. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy, I mean, you know, I enjoy analytics or, you know, uh, discussion and like people getting in an uproar about guys going for field goals or not going for field goals or this, that or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm watching that game on Sunday night and they're going for the field goal the first time and i'm like okay interesting take um then i remember that this was the exact same situation that you and i have discussed before uh on matt lafleur going for the field goal in the nfc i believe it was the Ch nfc championship game in green bay right where aaron Rodgers was fourth and seven 
And the same situation where there's like two plus minutes to go and you, you know, okay, we'll kick the field goal heel. We'll try to get the ball back. And then a, a touchdown wins the game. We don't have to do go to overtime. We don't have to, you know, go for two point conversions, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, oh, it's the exact same situation. And then you go online, you hear, you know, you see the tweets from the analytic people being like, yeah, it's a, you know, they have a 20 something percent chance of winning if they go for it here. If there's a, they also have the exact same percent chance of winning if they kick the field goal. It is literally dealer's choice at that point. Mm -hmm. Then the penalty comes and they get the automatic first down and they get closer to the end zone. And yeah. it's not fourth and six, it's fourth and uh, four, I believe it was. And they kick it again. And I said to my buddy who was, who was over, I'm like, I feel like the analytics are not going to like that one, right? And then sure enough, the tweet comes out and it's like, okay, they were a 15% chance if they go for it and a 10% chance if they don't. And it's like, yeah, okay. So they gave up 5% win probability by kicking that field goal. And so the people who are angry about that field goal are correct in being <laughs> angry in that field goal. But the problem is, there's too many problems here. Problem number one, the people were going to be angry about the first field goal, even though that was a sort of even analytical decision. And it was just up to the coach on which route he wanted to take, right? It's like, when you look to see how do I get to from place A to place B, it gives you two routes, both of them are 45 minutes. And you go, what do I feel like street, you know, uh, back road, you know, uh, driving, or do I want to take the highway? Both of them are going to get me there in 45 minutes. That is up to me. But we never really got that argument because because Josh uh, McDaniel doesn't, he knows enough about the analytics to that kicking a field goal somewhere in there is like an option. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't know enough or have somebody there to tell him that the second time he tried it, was the wrong one you know what i mean it's like he's yeah. aware of the analytics he just doesn't know how to use the analytics exactly. right and it's like how do you get to that space because i'm almost more into like the mike tomlin where like he has no idea what the analytics say and he's just mm -hmm. going to go on his own gut than i am somebody having the analytics department but like the, they either have a bad analytics department or he just doesn't <laughs> he's just so locked into like i'm going to be analytics guy and kick the field goal here yeah. Now, the third problem I have is with you people. <laughs> and when I say you people, I just mean kind of everybody, right? Because yeah. everyone's argument when the when the Packers kicked the field goal instead of going for it on fourth down was, oh, they've got Aaron Rodgers. You got a Hall of Fame quarterback. Mm -hmm. It's Aaron Rodgers. You got to go. I'd rather Aaron Rodgers on fourth and seven. It was Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. Nobody played the other hand here and nobody mm -hmm. said it's jimmy g you gotta kick the field goal why right like all of a sudden the aaron Rodgers, the quarterback element where trust your quarterback trust your quarterback which was like the cornerstone of everybody's argument yeah all of a sudden that went out the window because if aaron Rodgers is your argument for going for it back you know two three years ago whenever that was then jimmy g has to be your argument for not going for it because you and I know Jimmy G stinks and it probably wasn't going to go great if they went for it. And so that's, you know, it's just so funny that it's like we can make the argument and then just and leave out the whole crux, the key point of the argument being who the quarterback is that's involved in all of this. So got a lot of problems with everybody. Josh McDaniel's blowing it when it comes to the analytics thing. Well, everybody else forgetting about Jimmy G being a guy you don't want to trust in any sort of key moment and uh, all that other stuff. Yeah, I mean, 
a great analytics breakdown there and a perfect scenario to break that all down because it was sort of the talk of the weekend. You hear when people blow it or it doesn't go as people think that it should, but when the success happens, it's not as loud for sure. Brandon Staley probably gets fired if the Vikings score a touchdown after he goes for it on fourth and one. Doesn't get it because, by the way, they run the most charger play possible. <laughs> a, a, a Essentially a fullback dive right into the middle of a line on fourth and one instead of letting Justin Herbert cook. And yeah. we thought the change in offensive coordinator was going to be the difference there. But it's yeah. not. They're still dusting off the same playbook that they've been using for years on fourth and one. And by the way, like they don't get it. And so, yeah, Brandon Staley, you know, he probably gets fired and then they actually get an interception in the end zone. They win the game and all's fine and nobody's talking about it. And we get to yell at Josh McDaniel. Yeah, he screwed it up, too. So it's just everybody <laughs> just gets to pick and choose who's who gets yelled at on uh, on any given week. When all of these guys, by the way, are going for it on fourth down the way that Staley used to two years ago and everybody thought it was, you know, heresy. And now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, no, everybody just kind of does it. And, you know, you live with the consequences. But anyway, we're get, we're getting there as a society. <laughs> and we are getting to the cards <laughs> at the Niners. Niners laying 14 points at home. That caught me off guard there because it's yeah. a lot of points. <laughs> I don't really get it. The Niners are good. I'm a Niners fan, as you know. I like betting on the Niners. Laid them at double digits last week, which was very iffy. But I can't lay them with 14 points against the Cardinals in this situation. The one thing that I will say the reason for that as well is Brock Purdy, as much as a love affair is there, there are a lot of moments when you watch closely. My guy's a little shaky. There's some like shakiness there where some things that you need to be touchdowns turn into field goals. When we're talking about covering two touchdown spreads, sure, I need those to be touchdowns and not field goals. That has me a little iffy. That's before we get to the cards who, if I'm betting a team to lose by more than two touchdowns, I need to know that team is like trash, like super trash and their quarterback can't do anything. Their defense can't do anything like and I don't think that that's the Cardinals. So I don't really understand this line either, but I don't know. Break it down for me because I'm on the cards plus 14. Yeah. So the, the funny thing about this line is, right, like it was 12 and a half for Dallas on the road last week. Mm-hmm. And if Dallas is going to be 12 and a half on the road against the Cardinals, how are the 49ers only 14 mm-hmm. at home? Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like if it's 12 and a half on the road, if it was in Dallas, right? We do that one and a half point either way swap. We're looking at 15 and a half. If (laughs) if that game last week was in Dallas. Yeah. And so if that game last week in Dallas would have been 15 and a half, how can this game in San Francisco, a team that is better and higher rated than Dallas be 14? And you say, well, Matt Cardinals won the game. Cardinals aren't, they don't stink. And I would tell you fair. Fair point. Because, you know, like, you know, we talk about like ratings and stuff like that, right? But like this number based on the line from last week should be, let's say it should be 16, right? If Dallas was 15 and a half, this should be 16. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's 14. So there has been adjustment for the Cardinals being pretty good. My my ratings that have the Cardinals being not the worst team in the league make Mm -hmm. this 13. So if you're going by my ratings, then Shell, you're on to something here by getting a point of value. That is literal the literal definition of value. You think something's 13, it's 14, you take the 14 points. Problem is, 
schematically, matchup, all of that kind of stuff. The things that the Cardinals were able to do to be competitive in these other games against these other teams, it sort of feels like it's really difficult to actually do against the San Francisco 49ers. And like when you're watching the 49ers, as you know, once that snowball gets going, right, and it's Josh Dobbs has to throw the football. Mm-hmm because you're down two touchdowns you're down 10 points in the third quarter or the fourth quarter like oh no right like what like how is this going to possibly work out right they said <laughs> the 49ers are kind of the one team i don't really want to have to kind of keep my fingers crossed about a backdoor cover on because that's just not what they do right bosa gets the ears pinned back all the you know the defense warner still flying around all that stuff right and so it's like i don't really want arizona in this exact situation and because i think you know the premise of this and you know the idea of ratings and sort of just kind of committing to the idea that like not one no no one game should sort of change your your outlook on a team it's like i kind of think i if i had to and listen you don't have to bet on anything which is awesome (laughs) probably not gonna bet on this game but like if i had to i would bet on san francisco and if people are interested in betting the Cardinals and this number gets pulled down under 14, then I am going to bet on San Francisco minus 13 and a half. So if we get a 13 and a half with San Francisco, I am betting that we got a week or, you know, whatever, four or five days for that to happen somewhere, some way, somebody's going to come in on Arizona and hopefully get, get a price here on a 13 and a half with San Francisco. And I'll take that because I think that this could end up being a snowball type situation for a Cardinals team. That's honestly played two really good games at home. And you could excuse if they just absolutely stunk it up this week. And you know what, if they do, that just means more value on the Cardinals for the week after and the week after that. And so I'd be kind of okay with it. Yeah, that's a definite tough one there. And yeah, at 14, it's it's kind of tough. I can't lay 14 points with my Niners even as much as I want to. I get it. I understand. And hey, if I'm wrong, it just means my team's even better than I think they are. <laughs> right. Oh man, I hope this week goes well. Uh, let's go Broncos <laughs> at the Bears. Broncos. I mean, this is. I mean, we're into the dredge here. Yeah. I don't know how much we want to spend talking Not about much. these two games here, but you got well, the Broncos as three and a half point favorites in Chicago against the Bears. My old school rule, two crappy teams. You got one team that got blown out by uh, Taylor Swift's favorite team, and you got the Broncos who gave up 70 points last week. That classifies as two crappy teams in those scenarios. I'm going to take the points and not really think too much about it, especially it's over a field goal. I don't know. Sure. Give me the points with the bears. I see where I see the, I see what you're doing here. Um, I, I don't, I don't not like it. Um, I guess fundamentally the point is right. If, if, if the Cardinals aren't the worst team in the league and listen, no team has to be like yeah. the worst, worst, right? It, they but can the bears be. are the worst, worst. The bears are just is what you're telling God me. awful. Oh my God. <laughs> right. And they're just, it's so bad. Like things got crazy for the Broncos last week, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was just like a night out in college where you're just mm-hmm. like, you just wake up the next day and you're like, God, I don't even think like I did anything that bad. But like, I feel like I just remember people yelling at me and like I got thrown out of a cab and like I was behind a, you know, 7-Eleven at one point. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what happened? And then like some of your friends are just like, dude, we need to have a talk. And you're like, what? That's what the Broncos game was last last week whereas like the bears are just a 
Like they didn't even make it to the club. Like they are yeah. just, they are not even, nobody wants to hang. They don't, you know, I hate to say it. Like they have no friends. They're, the FBI might be involved. Like who knows? And so I think the Broncos, because they're still in the early stages here of whatever's going on in Denver, I, I find it hard to believe. Is that Dame Lillard? Um, <laughs> right. I, I find it hard to believe. It's Giannis. Um, I find it hard to believe that the Broncos have quit. Mm-hmm. on Sean Payton, even though the second half of that game, particularly the fourth quarter, I mean, that game went from 21-7 to 70, like, in a minute, right? Which you yeah. would have to, like, that's sort of how 70-point games, which didn't really exist until literally this week, that's how they go. And so I go, like, unless you fully flat-out quit on Sean Payton, I don't care where this game is being played, I think they need to be favored by more than the bears. And I don't have like some specific, like, well, this team's this rating and this team's that rating. Cause one team just gave up 70 points. So like, where <laughs> am I supposed to rate them? And the other team is the bears. And like, should I just swap spots with them? Like they are on a, like, and I, and I, there was some tweets that were out that earlier this, this week about how somebody had to talk to a bunch of bookmakers. And they said that the, the bears are our last, our worst rated team. They can't do anything. And it's like, yeah, I kind of think that's a little bit more fair than like the thing that happened to the Broncos, right? Like the, mm-hmm. it just feels like something happened to the Broncos. Whereas like the bears just exist in this way. Right. And so totally it's like, I ra- yes. you know what I mean? I'd rather, t- take, I'd rather fade the team that just exists this way versus the team with a bunch of like functional veteran players who have like a plan that, yeah, like maybe the plan didn't go so well because you got to the bar and like, you know, shots were a dollar and like things got out of, <laughs> out of hand and quit. It was that, that kind of night. Yeah. It's just like, man, things escalated quickly. Like, I, you know, literally the Dolphins killed them with a trident, right? Like it was like, that was, that was the situation. So yeah, like it's you know it's weird to say like give me minus three and a half on the road, but honestly, there's kind of a reason it's minus three and a half on a on the road for a team that just lost by fifty points. It's like, yeah, that's how bad the Bears are, and like I kind of trust the institutional failure that is the Bears over just whatever <laughs> happened against a Dolphins team in the heat of Miami last week. The pick has been road. switched. The pick has been switched. We are yeah. on the Denver Broncos laying three and a half points. Wow. Here we are. Give up. But I like it, though. Give up 71 week. If you don't have some type of pride to come out and at least reverse some of that against the Bears. Okay. I can see that. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, Let's keep going here. Another game. Don't really need to spend that much time on this one either here. We got the Vikings at the Panthers. And Panthers are three and a half point home dogs here. And I feel like. I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong here, you're going to talk me into this exact same thing here that we just did with the Broncos. No, he's shaking his head. Okay. No, I love it. Panthers, <laughs> okay. yes. Coast so two 0-3 teams going. The Panthers have struggled, and the three and a half always makes me want to stick with the home, the home dogs. Like That's just kind of where these things lie sometimes. And we mentioned earlier the Chargers game, the Chargers-Vikings game. Wow, Kirk Cousins. That was an interesting one. I don't even know how you guys lost that game after the Chargers gift wrapped it for you. And you can't figure out how to spike the ball, how to do anything. You got to throw a red zone pick to lose a game. Anyways, I'll say this. Home dogs, two bad teams, over a field goal, Carolina plus three and a half. That's where I'm at. 
That's totally fair. I, listen, if if we if this podcast lasts any longer, you might get a text saying Kirk Cousins got traded to the Jets because we need to get this bet in now because that might happen at any given time. And if that <laughs> happens, like Panthers for days here against whatever quarterback the Vikings might roll out. I'm half kidding, but like it actually does make way too much sense for the uh, Vikings who aren't bringing Kirk Cousins back next year to yeah. trade Kirk Cousins, go 0 in 17 or damn near close, and mm -hmm. usurp uh, the Bears, by the way, you know, speaking yeah. of, um, for the first pick overall. And by the way, you don't even need the first overall pick because unlike the last couple of seasons, there's a bunch of really good quarterbacks coming out of college um that even if you're you know the seventh pick overall like you would want to get so it makes too much sense for Kirk Cousins to like bounce on out of here um and then I mean God help Justin Jefferson if that's the case more importantly this is more about the Panthers right if I don't know how many people were watching Panthers Seattle yesterday but or Sunday but if you go back fire up your old game pass there watch the condensed game and or watch the full game if you really hate your life but Watch the condensed game, little 40-minute job, and picture that game, mm -hmm. but every time the Panthers false start because of the noise in Seattle, just imagine they didn't. <laughs> and if you do that, yeah. the Panthers actually look somewhat functional with Andy Dalton okay. running the offense. The problem was they couldn't have nice things. And every time anything sort of, and Pete Carroll's chewing the gum and he's given the, like, he can't even get the fist pump, like anything yeah. other than just kind of like a sidewinder job because he's mm -hmm. 75 years old. And listen, I should be so lucky when I'm 75. Sometimes I feel like I already am, but yeah, I mean, take that away and then just put Carolina with, with Andy Dalton running that offense. I know that like, that sounds like I'm saying it sarcastically or negatively, but it's certainly better than it has been with Bryce young. And so put that back at home against the Vikings defense. And I think you actually have something, maybe not something good, but you have something with Carolina there. And mm -hmm. I think Carolina's defense is good enough that like they can hold the Vikings, which will get, you know, they're going to get their explosive plays. But as you mentioned, right, they're going to turn the ball over. Alexander Madison is not it. He's good for one fumble a game. Kirk Cousins is good for one interception per game. And if that's the case and this turns around and you're getting the Vikings minus three and a half on the road, like hard pass, right? Again, so like as much as like I'm saying it's about the Panthers, it's also about fading the Vikings here. Mm -hmm. um, let's grab plus three and a half like the second you hear this, because again, who knows? My, Kirk Cousins could be traded uh, between now and the time that this uh, this runs and certainly now, but then between now and the time that this game actually is played. So yeah, Panthers plus three and a half money line as well. <laughs> let's move on to Sunday night football chiefs nine and a half point favorites in New York against the aforementioned jets. Uh, this line, I'm guessing, I, I feel like this should be juiced up even more if we know the Chiefs lines are juiced because nothing I saw from Zach Wilson and company shows me that they should be anything less than double-digit dogs against the Chiefs, who the Chiefs have a really good defense. I still stand by that. So Zach Wilson, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. They got to make a move. And who did I see they brought into their room? Stidham? No, uh, you're, no, they wish they would. Oh, Who was it? Kill a man in cold blood for Stidham. Uh, this is your man, Trevor Simeon. Simeon, sorry. My, yeah. I, I messed up the, the backup QBs whose names start with S. 
Oh, my yeah. bad. My apologies. Yeah. My apologies. Um, I didn't mean to offend the Stidham family like that. Um, point remains, Zach Wilson will still be in the mix here before the full on. Like you could just see this playing out. Chiefs roll easy. Huge embarrassment for the Jets on Monday on a Sunday night in front of the world. And then that's the end of Zach Wilson. As long as this is below 10, give me the Chiefs at nine and a half points. I'll take that. Yeah. And that's that's a great picture you're painting and i would agree with you entirely i am terrified mm -hmm. if i make this bet right now that any human being other than zach wilson plays quarterback oh. for the jets in this game yeah because you could see right? he's just shook he's just shook and it's yeah it's over like this is one of those where like people are gonna say like oh nine and a half points it's a lot of a lot to lay on the road and like this that or whatever it's like this is going to be more about booing Zach Wilson off the field for the quote unquote home field advantage, disadvantage reaction, et cetera. Then it is about any sort of like the, what the chiefs are going to be shook because they're playing in New York. Like <laughs> what? Like, I don't think that's, I don't think that's true. I think the chiefs are a wagon. Again, we talked about this last week, like mm -hmm. defense looks pretty good, man. And like the offense is the chiefs offense. 10 is going to feel like a really easy thing when Zach Wilson is just not able to do anything. If it's literally anybody else, even your man's Trevor Simeon gets a little dicier because yeah. then it's like, oh, you could actually have something functional offensively behind yeah. that defense. But no, man, like this is, you know, again, this is sort of like you'd lose your membership to the sharp betting society. If you, if you lay nine and a half points on the road in the NFL, but like, Honestly, the NFL, if last week didn't sort of tell you anything, it's becoming more and more like college football where it's like there's kind of no spread that you can't lay. You can obviously make a case for yeah. not laying a ton of points, but like nine and a half isn't so much in college football. And when we're out here running Zach Wilson out, nine and a half can't be that much against him either. So, yeah, let's I guess it's a wait and see to make sure that Zach Wilson is starting. Like, honestly, like, it'd be kind of interesting to see if Kirk Cousins just walked in <laughs> off, like, two days, like a Baker Mayfield situation last year, <laughs> yeah. and was just like, all right, let's see what we can do. Don't really know the plays or the terminology and might call a bunch of stuff that doesn't exist in the playbook, but, like, Here just draw it up and see how it goes. Like, I like that game gets a lot more interesting, and obviously it's scheduled because we thought it would be Aaron Rodgers against the Chiefs. But man, like, yeah, it'd be a lot more interesting if it was anybody other than Zach Wilson. But yeah, lay it, lay it with Kansas City. Yeah, I also think if they get blown out, that'll push them even more towards Kirk Cousins sure. after getting embarrassed at home too, right? Yeah. Which, yeah. sure, who doesn't like the drama in New York? I wonder if there's a line on whether or not Taylor Swift will be at this game in New York. But story for another day. Story I think for I would time. rather make that bet that she will be because... <laughs> It's a clout festival right now. Um, it definitely is that for sure. Is there a line for that? We got to find that sports book. Uh, <laughs> Monday night football. We have big time matchup. Not really. The Seahawks at the Giants. And it's an interesting matchup. We'll say Saquon last I saw, I think was day to day. So we're not sure if he's going to play, but I feel like we got to get close to if he can play, he probably needs to play because that whatever they were throwing out there were just Daniel Jones check down specials were not working against anyone. And I don't really get this line because I feel like the Giants offense can't put up points. Whereas I feel like Gino 
can put up points. So is this line telling me that they think Saquon is going to play so the Giants' offense won't look as terrible as it has without him? Oh, that's a good question. Here's the, here's the dirty little secret, I think, about Saquon. I don't think Saquon really means anything to point spreads. Okay. For this team. It, it didn't really make a difference last week, right? Like, True. I mean, I shouldn't say it didn't. It moved him from 10 to 10 and a half. Maybe it's like it touched 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, and yeah. so like, okay, is there a difference between an 11? Sure, 10 and 11? Sure. Are we talking like three to three and a half? No, right? Like that's not that's not what the deal is. If Saquon was on the team, do they play better against San Francisco? Do they maybe cover that game against San Francisco? And if so, facto, are they a little bit higher you know, favored here because they're favored by one point. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're two, two and a half. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so, so my thing here is like, I think the line is already without Saquon. I got gotcha. you. Okay. And you're okay. still like, Oh God, I still want the Seahawks. Um, yeah. My thing with <laughs> yeah. the giants, right. It's like, <laughs> what version? Like, yeah. Cowboys different league than the Seahawks mm -hmm. 49ers different league than the Seahawks totally honestly Cardinals probably different league in like a lower league than the Seahawks but I think mm -hmm. are still at least kind of closer like mm -hmm. I think the Cardinals are closer to the Seahawks than like the Seahawks are to the 49ers or the or the Cowboys so when you said you. like you know Daniel Jones against anybody I don't necessarily think that's true I think there are some teams that Daniel Jones and that Giants offense as a whole can move the ball against i think the seahawks are one of those offenses mm -hmm. or defenses mm -hmm. excuse me because like honestly they gave up a, you know a lot of yardage up until the point where they kept false starting uh to the panthers last week mm -hmm. and they basically never got off the field against the lions and were you know obviously they won that game in overtime they got to overtime in part because of a pick six but like i think the lions punted one time the week before that and we saw what happened in week one against the Rams. So you're getting an extra little, obviously an extra long week here for the Giants to get healthier. And whether that means Barkley is back or not, right? I think that's the thing. If Barkley gets uh, looped back in for this game, I think you do see the line go up to two. I don't think mm -hmm. you're ever going to get three, right? So I don't know that there's like, oh, I need to wait around to see if I get Seahawks plus three. I think that would be, I mean, that would be taken like in a heartbeat if that were the case. Yeah. So I kind of like the Giants here. Min not, I shouldn't say kind of. I like the Giants here minus one. I fully expect if Barkley comes back, the line to go up. If he's not available to come back, I don't really think I'm losing anything because I think the line is already kind of like Giants-ish minus one. Again, I'm not that sold on the Seahawks to the point where like I don't think the Giants can like muster up a game here, which like yeah. I think they're still a pretty good, pretty well-coached team. And they're just overmatched against the 49ers. And, you know, again... It's the NFL, man. Like a couple of bounces go one way or the other, and maybe the, the Giants manage to cover that game. But it's not like the Seahawks have the defense where the Giants are going to be like, oh, we just got to get the ball out of that pocket. Like quickly, yeah, yeah. like got to throw it quickly, got to throw it quickly. Like I think they're going to be able to block the Seahawks, right? Yeah. They might not be able to run against the Seahawks, but honestly, I think like we talked about last week, I think Daniel Jones, like just let's have him throw the ball a ton, but you got to block it up. And I mm -hmm. think they're going to be able to block it up against the Seahawks where they couldn't block it up against the 49ers so give me the giants there's some some new york uh primetime success at home this weekend and it's gonna be the giants certainly not the Jets. <laughs>
All right. I hear you. I hear you. I can't, I can't switch the pick to Daniel Jones. I'm going to ride with Gino for, for a little bit here, see how that goes. But listen, as a Niners fan, you could see me next week being really mad that, you know, I didn't listen to you in terms instead rooted for Pete Carroll. Ill. Um, already regretting that, but yeah, switch uh, it. Switch it. I can't do it. Everybody's chanting right now. Everybody's at home. <laughs> Everyone's switch in their it. car. Switch we will it. remember this moment next week when I come in and I'm like, damn it, three and 13. I needed that one extra win. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, that sums up a whole other week here. We try to keep the good times rolling. As always, hope that people enjoyed the listening to us go through each and every game here and my apologies for being distracted because the other part was that shams mistakenly tweeted out that that uh the raptors were involved in this trade but then he was wrong so there's a whole lot going on right is now the trade still happening is it still yeah yeah the trade's still oh, going okay. down but like messages are flying i got a phone call from my boss like there's a lot going on right now <laughs> so i apologize to the people but if you want some jokes clearly watch the video and see me just be like what is going on here because stuff is happening but we all know that once thursday comes around it's back to nfl town and nfl just takes over and dominates the airwaves as well and that's why we love this pod that's why we love talking nfl and in between now and kickoff my friend where can the people find you online yeah, at Emrus Authentic on Twitter. Everything I write over at the score gets uh, tweeted out through that. Of course, we got our two college uh, football articles per week, uh, one on the big games and one on the best bets. Sometimes the big games crush, sometimes they don't. Sometimes the best bets crush, sometimes they don't. Both in college and the NFL here, we're looking to finally kind of get some mo- uh, momentum going here in October. These are This is kind of the month where it's like, all right, we know something about some of these teams and it's time to get serious. So uh, looking to try to come close to your record through the first three weeks of the NFL season for the rest of the way. I'm going to be honest. I'm just trying to keep the good times rolling as long as we can here. But so everyone knows the game of the NFL is a crazy one. Indeed. We just try to do what we can. And right now we're winning. Things are good so far. Just try to keep the good times rolling. As I mentioned, you can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Like and subscribe wherever you get the pod. Bless us with a like. Let us know who you're you're riding with in your picks. Send us questions. Ask us questions throughout the week as well. We try to get through to all of that. And as I always say, my name is Sheldon Alexander. You can find me on all these places. And I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Clutch Picks Sports Betting Podcast. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya.